Let's say this together in faith. Ready? This is my Bible. It is God speaking to me. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can have what it says I can have. So I open my heart today to hear God speak a word that will change my life forever. And Father, I pray that you do this in the short amount of time that we have left, that you, by the Holy Spirit, will speak a word that would be so impacting, and as your word says, piercing to our souls, that we'll never be the same again. We believe you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. 2 Timothy chapter 2, if you do have a Bible, if you turn there. 2 Timothy chapter 2. And we've been talking about being led by the Holy Spirit. We talked first about being filled with the Spirit. And that being filled with the Spirit is a separate occurrence. Not necessarily in terms of timing, but in terms of the, the event itself. Uh, from being saved. You receive the resident Holy Spirit when you get born again, when you receive Jesus into your life. But being filled with the Spirit is something distinctly different where the Holy Spirit overflows you and you begin to move in the power of the Holy Spirit, not just have Him there with you. And Jesus uses two analogies. One is the well, the well of the Holy Spirit. It means that he's resident in you. But rivers of water flowing out, like Jesus described in John chapter 7, is when the Holy Spirit is flowing out of you. That's being filled with the Holy Spirit and overflowing with the Spirit. And then we began to talk about being led by the Spirit. And last week, we were talking about the person of the Holy Spirit. And we found out that the Holy Spirit is not an it. It's not the force be with you. No, it's not, he's not a cloud. He's not a puff. He's not a vapor. He's a person. He thinks. He speaks. He feels things. And we went and we looked at Scripture to show us uh, about who this Holy Spirit is. We actually, and many of us, got to know Him better last week. Isn't that right? Those of you that were here, we got to know Him a little better last week. And we understood. Now, th- close your eyes for just a minute. And I want you to think about this. Right there with you. Now, you are not your body. You have a body. You live inside of your body. You can feel your body, but you're inside your body. Now think about this, right there with you, right where you are, right there, is somebody else. And just like you're thinking, he's thinking. Just like you're feeling, he's feeling. He feels, he thinks, and he wants to communicate with you. Now open your eyes. How would, how would it be if God all of a sudden opened our eyes to the spirit realm? You know, a lot of us would jump. Ah! Who's this right here? Well, that's the Holy Spirit because he's right here. Isn't that right? If our eyes were opened to see the Holy Spirit, it would become very, we'd become very aware that he's right here. No, it's a person. And when you walk, he walks. Isn't that right? And he's thinking all the time on our behalf, strategizing for us. And here's this person. And and if we could get the revelation of him as a real person, and he's, he's the third person of the Trinity. He's part of the Godhead. He's God. And God is right there with us, right there. If we could get that revelation to where we really knew that, we would look to him all the time for help. But so often we go through our life looking like he's out there somewhere and not realizing, no, he's right here. He's right here with us. He's right here. His, his mind is real close to my mind. And yet we act like God's way far away. He's right there. It's the person of the Holy Spirit. We don't refer to him as it. We refer to him as him and he. 
because that's the way the Bible refers to him. Now, last week we talked about the person of the Holy Spirit, and, and we were ending. And you know what's tough? It's tough to bring across some of these truths that take time to explain for people to understand and to put into practice and implement into their lives in the amount of time that we have, no matter how long our service is, whether it's an hour, hour and a half, two hours, it doesn't matter. It's a, such a short amount of time for us to capture these things. And then you've got the dilemma of not everybody coming every week. And so you think you're building on what we talked about last week, but there's a whole percentage of the crowd that says, I wasn't here last week. And so they're, they're coming with a, a little bit of a disadvantage, a frame of reference. And so it's very difficult to do these things. And that's why I encourage you to come as often as possible. As often as possible because God is building some things into our lives. But we, be, we, we were talking last week about how you can grieve the Holy Spirit. And he can, he can be hurt by things that we do, things that we said. And I, I shared last week that a, a time that I lied. I told lie. I didn't mean to. It kind of just happened. But I did. I, it was not true. And when I said it, there was no truth in my mind to validate what I was saying. So therefore, it was a lie. How many of you missed that last week? I'm not going to tell you anything about it. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not confessing that again. No. But I talked about how I knew that the Holy Spirit was grieved. And I was even emotional last week because thinking of just me contemplating going through life with a grieved Holy Spirit. Oh, that just, I can't do it. I don't want to do that. I've been there. That's bad. And I've been here. This is good. It is so wonderful to know he's on my side and I'm working with him. And I got emotional. And, but this week, I felt impressed of the Holy Spirit that what we needed to, to deal with this week is the temptation of so many people to hear about grieving the Holy Spirit and then to dismiss themselves to say, well, I, I grieve him all the time. Why even try? How, how, he's always going to be grieving me. I mean, if... if Pastor Jerry grieved him with just that little thing, which wasn't a little thing, but to some people that would be a little thing. If Pastor Jerry grieved, well, how, how am I ever, how can I ever expect him to be pleased with me and to lead me? I mean, I grieve him all the time. And it's like being on a freeway and God is taking us somewhere on this freeway, but there's a big off-ramp sign that says, if you know you're just not good enough, just get off here. And a lot of people do, and they exit. Isn't that true? Because we feel that way. And I believe the Lord wants us to, to talk today just for a few minutes about the grace to be led. The grace to be led. I want to start here in 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. And I want us to read out loud the first verse. I'm reading from the New King James. So if you don't have that version, that's okay. Uh, but follow along on the screen so we can all read the same words. Let's read this twice since it's only one verse. 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 1. Reading loudly and together, let's read. You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Again, you therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. We know the scripture probably better in Ephesians 6.10 where it says, Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. We, we know that scripture, and we quote it a lot, and it's a powerful scripture. But here, Paul says a little something different to this. Paul the aged, he's, he's an older man now, an older apostle, speaking to a younger pastor. 
And he's telling Timothy, Timothy, be strong in the grace that's in Christ Jesus. Yes, we know to be strong in the Lord and his power. But he says, be strong in the grace. See, the power and the strength of the Lord is a part of his grace. A lot of times we'll describe grace, uh, in, at least in days past when I've heard people describe grace, it's unmerited favor. That's kind of a little catchphrase for grace. Unmerited favor. Undeserved forgiveness and those kinds of things, which is absolutely good and true. But that's only a part of it. The grace of God includes everything and anything that you receive or ever will receive from God. It's not just forgiveness. It's not just cleansing you from your sin. It is everything. It's the strength. It's the blessing. It's the wisdom. It's the insight. Anything you get from God, you did not deserve it. You didn't earn it. Does everybody understand that? Do you know if you're a good little boy today and a good little girl, you help grandma across the street, you do nice things for people, and when, when somebody in your family does something to tick you off, you don't say what you normally say? You say, I'm, I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say it. I'm just going to walk in love. Did you know that you don't deserve any more the grace of God? Doesn't that bum you out? Does it bum you out? Because you are so far short from measuring up to holiness and perfection with God on your own in the things that you do, that it takes grace to bring you and I from where we are to where God lives at that level. And here's something you need to understand, that though it pleases God and blesses God when we're obedient and we walk in love, you don't get more grace and blessing from God because you were extra good today. You need to understand this. The grace of God covers everybody that is willing to receive it. And here, Paul tells Timothy, Timothy, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. I remember as a young minister, when I'm still dealing with things, and I, I was a youth pastor, and my heart was so right before God, I wanted to, to do everything right, but I had struggles. I had sins, sin like anybody else. How many of you know pastors sin? Did you know that? Maybe a revelation to you. Pastors sin. Say that pastor's sin. That, that sounds almost disrespectful just to say that, doesn't it? But it's true because pastors are human beings. They sin. They're flesh. And they're vulnerable because of this fleshly body and the mind. We're vulnerable to the temptations of sin all around. Now, what I didn't say is it's okay that pastors sin. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm just letting you know that I walk in the same shoes that you walk in. I'm in the same boat that you are. I'm vulnerable. I'm in this fleshly body. I'm vulnerable to the temptations of the enemy, and I have to watch out all the time, just like you do. But I remember being a young man in the ministry and struggling with things, and sometimes, you know, I'd be working through some things and, and receiving forgiveness for myself, and here it's an hour before youth group, and I've I got to go out there, and I'm going to bring the Word, and I'm going to preach, and I'm going to help these young people understand the love of God and the grace of God, but here I am feeling unworthy, like, well, I, how am I going to go out there and do anything? How can I be anointed today? I, I messed up. I, I'm, I'm not right. I copped a bad attitude. Look, look what I said. Look what I did, right? Anybody know what I'm talking about? And you feel unworthy. You don't feel like you have the right to do anything for God, to be used by God. And here I am, I'm going to go out and... Well, you know, when you're in the ministry, you've got to figure that out. And the right thing to do is not to say, ah, no big deal, everybody does it. That's not the right way. Did you hear what I said? That's not the right way. Sin is always a big deal. And this is something that the Lord taught me many years ago. Verse 1 
You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And I had to come to grips with the fact that God's anointing on me as a minister was not there because I was such a good little boy. God's anointing was there because I had received a calling from him and was faithful to that calling in, in terms of praying and opening my heart before the Lord and studying the word of God and preparing so that I could minister his anointing to people. And God's anointing on me had more to do. Now, I'm not talking about the flow of it and how well I ministered under the anointing, but the fact that God anointed me had more to do with his love for the people than it was just for me. You understand what I'm talking about? I had to remember that it doesn't matter what kind of a day I had, God loves these people. He wants them to know his love and his forgiveness and his grace. And so I had to learn to stand strong in the grace. And that when I would tell the youth, which they, you know, they sinned as much or more than anybody, teenagers, and I was telling them of the grace and the forgiveness that God has for them, I had to walk in that myself. And for some reason, I wouldn't let myself walk in it at the level that I was telling them that they could. Because, see, I'm a pastor. And I would begin to discount myself. And here it says, talking to a pastor, you therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Be strong in the grace. And this verse usually came up to me when I was not having such a good time, not feeling so good about myself, and it was time to go minister the word, time to go up and minister to other people and love other people. And I had to be strong in the grace. I had to say, Lord, I need your grace. And I'm telling you, some of the best, most powerful services that God touched people's lives was when I didn't feel like I had it. And I'm saying, Lord, I stand in your grace. I stand in your grace. I'm expecting you to flow through me and to help me to minister your word accurately. And you know, God, I've already confessed sin to you and received forgiveness. But, Lord, I, I, I need you. I need your grace. And I began to be confident that God would always meet me. Never did I go out. Never did I go out and the grace of God not meet me there and take it to a level that I didn't feel like it could go that day or that night. Do you understand what I'm talking about? It's grace. Now let me read a verse to you from Romans chapter 5. This whole passage in Romans, in fact the whole book of Romans is just outstanding. I'm going to pick this one verse out for the sake of time. Romans 5.20 says, Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. I don't want to talk too much about the first part of that verse, but just to say that when God gave the Ten Commandments and all of the commandments that go along with it, He knew that there was nobody that could measure up to all of that. But, but a primary reason that He gave those commandments was to show humans how far off the mark they were so that they would need a Savior and understand that they needed a Savior so that they begin to look for the Messiah, the Savior. Do you understand that? God wasn't giving the Ten Commandments expecting that anybody would really measure up to all of those because there's a lot more to the Ten Commandments than just those ten. And if you read the rest of the five books in the first five books of the Bible, you'll find out there are lots of these laws and things. And nobody could perfectly measure up. But it says here that that was given so that people would recognize their sin. But he said here, in the last part he said, where sin abounded... Grace abounded much more. Say that with me, would you? Where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. Say that again. Where sin abounded, 
grace abounded much more. Now, this doesn't seem fair. Let me say it in a different way. People that sin more get more grace from God. You think, now wait just a minute, wait, wait just a minute here. What you, you mean I'm trying here, I'm trying to live right and everything, and the bonehead that's not trying as hard as me, not living as right as me, gets more grace than I, that's not right. It should be, the less I sin, the more grace I get. But let me tell you what, what happens. The more sin abounds and grows, the more grace comes from God. Why? Because more grace is needed. Let me just tell you how God thinks. God, God thinks about those children that have come to him and received Jesus as Lord. Whatever it takes, I'm going to give you to help you to make it through. Now, we think about our children like that, but for some reason we don't think about God thinking about his children like that. I'm telling you, sometimes I, I have one of my kids just get out of line with their attitude. And it just ticked me off. <laughs> I'm telling you, I, it just... I, I, Rebellion rubs me the wrong way bad. I mean bad. Rebellion irritates. Disobedience is one thing. Making mistakes is one thing. Rebellion, I know what you're saying. I hear you loud and clear. And I ain't going to do it. Well, is that right? I mean, rebellion, it rubs God the wrong way too. Rebellion, the Bible says, is a sin of witchcraft. Bad. Irritates me. But I tell you what, as irritated as I get, and as harsh as... As the punishment is and the response for me, I am fully committed to my children. Do you understand what I'm talking about? Never do I think, ever, ever, I want them out, out of the family. I want them out, changing their last name. (laughs) Never, never, never. You understand? Never. And And if I can love my children like that, how much more? Can the Father love some of us boneheads? Amen? Amen? To turn the person next to you, he's probably talking about you. Come on, tell him. <laughs> Let me read this to you in the Message Bible. Listen to, listen to Romans 5.20 in the Message. All that passing laws against sin did was produce more lawbreakers. But sin didn't and doesn't have a chance in competition with the aggressive forgiveness we call grace. When it's sin versus grace, grace wins hands down. Isn't that good? Grace wins hands down. See, you, you may, we may have been talking about being led by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit wants to lead you every, every day. He wants to show you what to do, give you insight and wisdom. And yes, grieving Him will cause Him not to flow with you the way that he wants to. Absolutely. He will back off from leading you and speaking to you and such if you grieve him. But I want you to know something that the Bible says, be strong in the grace though. When you miss it, realize that there's grace available. But notice the command. You be strong in the grace. It's not automatic. This is, most of the things in, in Christianity is stick shift. How many of you know that? This is not auto transmission. Anybody understand what I'm talking about? It sticks you. You put in the clutch, you reach up, and you pull the lever, you, you pull it into the next gear. You make it happen. It's available to you. Higher speeds, more grace, more blessing from God is available. But if you don't initiate the receiving of it, then it won't be received. Notice he tells Timothy, the grace is there. You need to be strong in the grace. Stop trying to be strong 
as a person. Stop putting confidence in yourself so that when you miss the mark, now you have less confidence. No, be strong in the grace. When I miss the mark, I can still be confident at the highest level because the grace makes up the difference for me. The grace of God. The grace of God. Now, let me quote to you just for the sake of time from 1 John chapter 1, beginning at the 7th verse. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we walk in the light as he is in the light. That means that when you sin, you have a choice. When you know on the inside that uh, something's not going right, I, I, I messed up, you have a choice. You can turn the light off so that nobody sees it and act like you didn't sin. Justify it, rationalize In fact, I believe that's what happened to me, that I, I don't believe I grieved the Holy Spirit when I said what I said when I was talking last week about that lie. I, I don't believe the Holy Spirit got grieved right then. I believe that I knew Right? I was out of line. I believe I knew it, and I walked away. I believe the grieving began when the justifying and the rationalizing began, that I can't go and correct that and ask for forgiveness and expose it, confess my sin, and make it right. I can't do that because, see, that's embarrassing, and, you know, it's no big deal anyway, and plus I'm a pastor, and he's going to be a pastor, and so all of this stuff going through. When the rationalizing began to where I valued myself and my reputation more than doing right before the Lord... That, that's when the grieving took place. See, let me, let, me, let me tell you about the Bible. God doesn't want us to sin. But He's made provision for us so that when we do sin, that fast we can receive forgiveness by the blood of Jesus. It's called grace. It's called grace. But it's our choice to receive that forgiveness. So if you flip the light off, you know, it's like when somebody's coming over the house, you take everything, you throw it into the spare room or you throw it into the closet, shut the light off and cl- shut the door, right? So that nobody sees that. If you do that in your spiritual life before the Lord, then you don't receive the grace, though it's available to you. The grace is available. And I don't care how big the sin was. I don't care how many the sins were. The grace is so overwhelmingly available to you to forgive you that fast. I'm telling you right then. It doesn't mean that there aren't some things that will have to play out in life. Sometimes you'll do something wrong and the grace of God will come forgive you, but I mean, your company may not forgive you yet. That true? Okay, see, we're talking right now about our relationship and fellowship with the Lord. But 1 John 1, 7 says, but if we walk in the light, if you'll flip the light on and say, okay, God, you, you know anyway. Lord, that's wrong. I sinned. I messed up. God, I sinned. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And that's what that passage is talking about. It's not talking about relationship with God. It's talking about fellowship. We have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son. Put that verse up on there, would you? And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. How much? All. All. Even a big one? Even a bad one? Even a lot of them? All. See, so when we were talking about grieving the Holy Spirit last week, you need to keep into, in, in mind what I, what I did last week. That I, I went and confessed and I asked that pastor to forgive me and I told you that, oh, I sensed right away the joy of the Holy Spirit by me opening that up and not hiding my sin, but exposing it. Yes, was it embarrassing? Yes, it was. 
Did I even think about being embarrassed afterwards? Yes, I did. I don't like that. But right on the other hand, that kind of embarrassment helps me not to do that again. Amen? You understand that? But I have to have more value and pleasure from being right with God and being forgiven by the blood of Jesus and walking with a clear conscience before Him than I do the appearance. You understand? You've got to get over that. You know, we've got this facade out here, and this is what we want people to think about us. And so we act like that's true. You have to begin to value your fellowship with God more than that. And it'll come to the place where when you stay, when you begin to open your sin up before the Lord quick, and I learned to do it like right away. Man, sometimes I've confessed sin while sinning. (laughs) You think that's kind of dumb, and you think, well, what's the matter with you? I'm in the flesh. I'm walking in the flesh. I'm sinning. I'm out of line. You know, and sometimes we'll laugh about it. Well, you know, I shouldn't eat that, but uh, yeah, you know, pull it over here. And, I, you know, not that the Lord's real ticky-tacky and He doesn't want us to have, you know, nice things and desserts and everything. I think we can be legalistic about that too. But sometimes we just know we're out of line. And we just, we just go on. But there's grace there, even for that. Is that right? Where sin abounded... What happens? Grace abounded much more. Yeah, but you don't deserve it because you knew better. I know it, but the grace is there. See, because let me tell you something. We're not talking about a relationship issue. We're talking about a fellowship issue. When you sin, when you as a Christian sin, see, righteousness has been given to you as a free gift. And and when God looks at you to determine whether or not you are in good standing with Him to come to heaven and to come and receive from Him... He looks at your spirit, and your spirit has been born again into the family of God and received the righteous gift of God. But your mind has not. Your mind is your responsibility to renew day by day by the word. That's why you're here today. We're renewing our mind to these things. And your flesh is your responsibility. But Paul said in Romans chapter 7, hey, when my mind gets out of line and my flesh sin, he says, not me, not me. He's talking about his spirit. He says, not me, it's not me, the inward man. No, 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 I delight in the law of God. This is this body that I have. This is this mind. Well, that doesn't mean you can absolve yourself from responsibility. No, you do have it. But you need to understand that you, the spirit who are born again on the inside, you are in the family of God and you're righteous. And so I like to ask the question sometimes, so if you sinned, I mean just flat out, you knew it was a sin and you just said, I'm going to do it anyway, and you sinned. And right then, Jesus came back. You did not ask for forgiveness. Didn't even have a chance. Would you go to heaven or would you go to hell? Huh? What if the judgment took place right then? I mean, you're a Christian and you just flat out sinned. And then, bam, judgment came. You didn't have a chance to ask for forgiveness. And people say, well, you go to heaven because God, God, God knew I didn't have a chance. You know, I mean, it just, short, you know, just wasn't time. You know? We're just you know, logically trying to figure it out. Or, no, you go to hell. You knew it was wrong and you did it. And both those are wrong. And you would go to heaven. You know why? Because righteousness was a free gift. You didn't earn it in the first place. So don't think that you could be good enough to keep it. You weren't good enough to receive it in the first place. You're not good enough to keep it. Everybody understand that? Okay. Righteousness is a free gift. It was given by grace. That word comes in everywhere. Grace was given by grace. It's a free gift. belongs to you, and it's in your spirit. But your flesh and your mind still get off track and sin. But it, and when you do that, it, it breaks fellowship with God. 
God, God doesn't, you know, God doesn't walk in sin with you. If you're going to walk in sin, allow your mind, your body to sin, your attitude and everything to, to walk in sin. God's not going to walk with you. Is he still with you? Yes, but he's not going to go down that path with you. And so there's a broken fellowship, but not relationships like me when I get upset with my kids. I don't throw them out of the family. I don't say, go next door. I'm done. We're done with you. <laughs> done with you. No. Find a home. No, no. No, we don't do that because we still have relationship. But fellowship is broken and it needs to be dealt with. If we want to be led by the Holy Spirit, we need to learn to be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And it's not a license to sin. Go ahead and sin all you want and then you just have to confess your sin and you receive forgiveness. No, it's not that. Paul said in Romans 6, what shall we say to these things? Shall we continue in sin so that grace abounds? And he says, God forbid, certainly not. That's not what we're saying. But when you do sin, receive the grace. It's available. It's already been paid for. Let me point out one more verse. I could read that whole passage there where First John, John talks about there in first chapter, First John, he said, don't, don't say you don't have sin because then you're a liar and you make God a liar. Don't say you haven't sinned. Don't say you don't have sin. You shut the light off and say, what? No, no that's not real. That's not. And here you go. He's saying, you don't have forgiveness. Your fellowship's not restored by justifying, minimizing, rationalizing, hiding your sin. That's not how. When you bring it out in the light, verse 9 says, If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. How much? All unrighteousness. If we confess it, bring it out in the open. He's faithful and just. Now, if I was writing that, I would have originally written that, God's merciful and gracious to forgive us. But notice it says, He's faithful and just to forgive us. What does that mean? If you confess your sin before the Lord and he doesn't forgive you, he would be unfaithful and unjust. Well, why is that? I'm the one that sinned. Because somebody already paid for your sin. Did you know that? And so for God not to forgive you when it's already been covered by the blood of Jesus would be unfaithful and unjust of him. And it goes on in chapter 2 to say, plus we've got an attorney in heaven. So when you sin... And you get out of fellowship with God, not out of relationship. No, that, that could happen if you continue to go astray and in your heart decide, I don't want to serve Jesus anymore. You could get to that place. But I don't believe we're talking about the majority of people. I, I believe what we're talking about today are people that they just struggle. And I just miss it. And I just do things I shouldn't do and say things I shouldn't say. Here's the word of the Lord to you. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ, but I don't deserve it. That's the point. Grace. If you deserved it, it would just be reward. Right? This is grace. Grace is not reward. Grace is giving to somebody that doesn't deserve a reward, and you give them a reward anyway. This is grace. And it's been purchased for you by the blood of Jesus. Isn't that good? That's good. And let me tell you, somebody says, you're just giving people a license to sin. Absolutely not. When you walk in fellowship with the Lord and begin to know His goodness and His grace, it makes you want to stay in fellowship with Him. Grace, receiving grace, makes you want to walk in righteousness. Guilt and condemnation drive you towards sin. Are you getting this? Everybody understanding this? Isn't this good? So can you be led by the Holy Spirit? 
Yes. What if you're a big sinner? Can you still be led by the Holy Spirit? Yes, but you're going to have to be strong in the grace that's in Christ Jesus and let the blood of Jesus cleanse you from all of your sin. All of your sin. Let's say this out loud, everybody. Say, in the name of Jesus, I declare myself to be a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, born of His Spirit, Full of His righteousness. And when I sin, I've got an attorney in heaven. Let me tell you this right now. Stop right here. You sin. Even if it was a bad sin, you, you knew you sinned. It was wrong. You shouldn't do it. Don't, don't, don't think I'm saying, it's okay, don't worry about it. No, no. You sinned. That's wrong. And so you come and say, Father, I sinned. I sinned. And that's where the whole term, I plead the blood. The judge says, what's your plea? Guilty or innocent? I plead the blood of Jesus. Say, Father, I sinned. It's a sin to you. Well, then your attorney leans over the judge and said, by the way, you'll remember that the blood, my blood, has cleansed all sin. The judge says, that's right. You're forgiven. Yeah, but Judge, uh, Father, it, it was a really bad one. It was a really, really big one. A lot of them, right? And your attorney will reach over and say, you remember that my blood cleansed all sin, everything. And the judge says, you're forgiven. Start fresh and clean right now. Amen. Isn't that right? Is that true? See, you've got an attorney that does that for you. Jesus always is your advocate. To re, to re, not that the Father forgets, but He's just always standing right there declaring, yeah, that's sin. But what happens if you hide it in the darkness and say, no, that's not a sin? Well, if it's not a sin by your own confession, then it's not covered in the blood of Jesus. You understand what I'm saying? See, before the righteous judge, sin is covered by the blood of Jesus. But what you say, no, that's not, I didn't do anything wrong. I didn't sin, no. Okay, then you get to be judged for something that's not covered because you didn't declare that to be a sin. It's when you come and, and open it up in the light. No, that's a sin. That's a sin. And the attorney, Jesus, on your behalf says, oh, well, if that's a sin, well, that's covered. And the judge says, oh, that's right. It's a sin. It's covered. But here for two months, in your mind, it wasn't a sin. You wouldn't open it up in the light and allow what's already been paid for to cover you and to bring you back. See, it doesn't take a month to get right with God. It takes a heart. It takes a confession. You understand this? Thank God. And the more you walk in fellowship with God, and fellowship with Jesus, the more you'll say, this is where I want to stay. Oh, this is good. This grace thing is good. And you won't want to sin anymore. And you'll, be, you'll begin to walk in freedom that you've never experienced from those bondages. That were there. Thank God. Can you say thank God for his grace? Thank you, Lord, for your grace. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Praise God. If you're in this place today and you don't know Jesus, maybe you've received him a long time ago, but maybe you haven't. Right now is the perfect time for you to open your heart back up to the Lord Jesus. And I'm not going to take a lot of time with this. But while nobody's looking around, if you're here in this place, 
and you're willing to receive the Lord into your heart and into your life. Would you just slip your hand up right now? Let me see your hand.